0: This is football. This is the year a non-quarterback should win the MVP. going to get to that. First things first. Did an exercise on Sunday afternoon. I said, it, just, just humor me here. What are you most upset about with your team? And the reason I do this, never done it before, but the reason I, I ask questions like this is because you can usually judge a franchise and a life cycle and a season by your problems. One of the reasons that I pick the Cowboys to make the Super Bowl from the NFC was that everybody kept saying, well, the tipped interceptions with Dak Prescott and all that stuff. And it's like, you know what? If Dak's the problem, you're doing great. They're going to make the Super Bowl. Still believe that, by the way. Um, And so I got almost 400 responses, um, which is about four times as many as a, as a normal kind of mid season bustling mailbag. Uh, people wanted to complain about their team. And I was for the most part correct the good teams had really specific problems. Um, Eagles fans were in mass complaining about Brian Johnson's play calling sp- specifically runs on long down distances so second and ten runs that sort of thing um Bears fans didn't know where to begin the vast majority was play callers Pete Carmichael who I guess is not particularly popular in New Orleans. Um, a couple of Bill Belichick stuff. A couple a couple franchises complaining that they're not in the Caleb Williams hunt. And then one, which I thought was the best, which was... That fan woke up at 6.30 in the morning to watch their team get their ass kicked... While animated as Toy Story characters. Uh, don't have to guess who that is. By the way, I really like the Toy Story thing. What was funny about it was seeing guys either make poor downfield blocking cuz you could see kind of the all 22. So if a guy made a business decision, you could see them and they'd be dressed as toys. And I you can't put a price on that. You cannot put a price on that. Anyway, long story short, the reason I'm bringing this up is that and this isn't why I was doing it. But boy oh boy was Matt Canada the far and away most complained about human being on the planet. I'm talking like of replies or quote tweets. And that's not 30% of my followers are not Steelers fans. And again, like you can sort of judge where you're at. If you see an old high school buddy and you say, what's your, Hey buddy, uh, let's let's get a bud light. What's uh, what, you know, what, what's your biggest problem? If they say, ah, golf games, a little crappy or like, "Ah, I need to take my car in the shop. Things are going well. If they say, ah, I got caught up in a, uh, three consecutive crypto scams and, and I got I'm a, I just do, did a reverse mortgage. Then you go, ah, okay, yeah. And uh, Matt Canada is closer to the latter than the former. Closer to the three consecutive crypto scams and a reverse mortgage for the Steelers right now. Because everybody agrees that it's a problem. And the people who don't are the people who are in charge of fixing it. I'm a huge Mike Tomlin fan. I get an amazing question in the mailbag separately from, from all of this from a guy named Ben Winokur. And he said that I, I as in Kevin Clark have ranked Mike Tomlin around three or four on most of my coaching lists over the past couple of years, which sounds right, which sounds right. Never one or two, but somewhere between three and six, depending on, on the season they just came off of. And normally, if it's like last year where he basically dragged the carcass of a team across the finish line towards a 500 season or above 500 season, I appreciate that. Knowing, you know, they had Mitch Trubisky. They had Kenny Pickett for half the season. Pickett was developing and all that stuff. Trubisky was Trubisky. Like, they're, even though there's talent on that roster, they should have won nine games. Okay? I love the way he operates. I love the his philosophy on coaching. All that stuff. Not to pl- plug in the pod, but the Pivot podcast... That Tomlin did is phenomenal. As far as how he approaches coaching, he wants to coach. He wants to run towards coaching. I love Mike Tomlin. So Ben asked me, uh, "What were the what are the biggest gaps in recent NFL history between head coach quality and the quality of their assistant staffs?" So he was thinking Matt Patricia with Bill Belichick, obviously on the offensive side of the ball. Although defensive, you can do it. Um, and then the opposite, Jay Gruden with those Washington teams where. Jay's bad, assistants are good. And so he basically asked, he basically asked, uh, he basically asked wh- how you contextualize Matt Canada waging war on the franchise from within the staff can be processed. Um, and I don't think, I think at some point, I think at some point if this lingers, it starts to reflect poorly on Mike Tomlin. In the same way, different category, but what what Bill Belichick did to Mac Jones last year by giving him Joe Judge and Matt Patricio was a stain on his legacy. It won't be, like, I won't bring it up before the Super Bowls, but I'll bring it up if we talk about it for 30 minutes. Um, and so, here's what we saw on Sunday. A predictable offense that runs the same plays over and over. If he has success, he just spams it till it doesn't work like a Madden player. Um, we saw a fourth and short yardage shotgun start with Kenny Pickett with no play action. Texans pin the rear back and hit him hard. He gets hurt. So, and we don't know what the situation with Pickett is right now, but it's worrying. Um, and we saw six points scored against a average. Texans team. You look at this and say, oh, let's see uh, a little more sample size, a little more sample size. So Matt Canada says via CBS, they aren't built to come back from big deficits. Well, whose problem is that buddy? Whose problem is that? Um, I saw Alex Kazora say that, that there was a pick, a bad pick over the middle of the field and a deep crosser. Um, that basically Canada had called that same post play 12 times over the course of the month, the first month of the season. And I guess it worked at the beginning and it ain't working now. And that's Matt Canada. Um, Warren Sharp, former colleague, said that Kenny Pickett threw 60% of his first down passes behind the line of scrimmage, which is the highest rate of any quarterback this week. And he averaged uh, 0.5 air yards, fewest of any quarterback this week. So he's not, it wasn't doing anything. Is this what's in your your toolbox, buddy? Is thro- throws behind the line of scrimmage, throws right next to the line of scrimmage? You can do that with anybody. Show me some development with Kenny Pickett. Show me anything. And if you think you can't do it, I, I at least give him the opportunity to. Everything we've heard about Kenny Pickett is that he's a better game player than practice player. So give him the opportunity to do it. And by the way, Matt, you're about to get fired or hopefully about to get fired. So at least go out the way you want to go out. Um, anyway, all this to say is that the customer is usually right in football. And I know that sounds wrong because fans in mass are not very perceptive on things. And they, especially they try to cut the cord too early on guys, especially head coaches, blah, blah, blah. Like, the customer is usually right when every single person in the fan base is like, this is not going to work. Every single person there's some, I mean like college, it's a little bit of a different deal. Cause you probably sometimes some programs need five years for a guy to figure out if he's good or not. But in the pros, the customer is usually right. Matt Canada has to go. Um, real quick on the flip side there in that game. And I want to go too deep down this rabbit hole, but First of all, the Texans kicked their ass 30 to six. Second of all, CJ Stroud's numbers are, he had over the passing yards today. His numbers in the first four games are on par with Cam Newton. Um, and I think as far as lack of interceptions go, it's the best start for a rookie putting up those sort of passing yards over 250 in each game. Um, it's the best in, in uh, like, since the merger or something. And I want to just tackle this because I was on paternity leave, so I couldn't take shots. But there was a whole news cycle. I remember it well. It's CJ Stroud. You got to stay away from him. I looked upset. that. You got to stay away from him because he failed something called the S2 test. Hey, buddy, do you know what the S2 test is? No, you don't. Have you ever seen it? No. It's administered via a laptop. But guess what? we were all very comfortable giving out a lot of advice on what to do based on the S2 test. I still don't know what it is. I tried to look. A couple people I mentioned, oh, yeah, you don't know anything about it. Yeah, I don't know anything about it because I haven't seen it. Let me take the test. And then let me check it out. And then you can you can explain to me in detail why CJ Stroud was a stay away because he did poorly on a test. It was a glorified BuzzFeed quiz. Um and this is a broader point than the CS2 test. I don't wanna I don't wanna harp on that. But we put we 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 the media we tolerate so much junk science every single draft process. And we talk ourselves into different things. And I remember I saw this happen up close the year that um, there was a, co- a couple extra weeks in the draft. Uh, remember, the draft was in mid-May for a couple times. And every GM said, we are screwed because we're just going to talk ourselves into it, different stuff. And scouts are going to say different stuff. And we're going to go back to what we thought initially. And like, there's a there's a real case to be made they like your first instinct is usually correct. And like interviews back it up and athletic testing backs it up. But like CJ Stroud looked awesome against Georgia and answered all his questions and anything else. And again, this is all media stuff. He was picked second overall, but any question that came up was a borderline, almost literal media creation. And yet he had to defend himself. Yeah. We had to talk about it. We had to spend hours on talk shows talking about it. Um, so all I'm saying, remember this, just remember this next spring when we do it again to Drake may or to Caleb Williams or Riley Leonard or Sam Hartman or whoever the hell it is. Okay. Just remember. That's all. Just remember. Um, all right. Maybe I'll dive deeper into this midweek, but I I don't have, like, there's a lack of candidates here. And so that's why I'm not doing the full 20 minute rundown here, but I'm leaning towards Christian McCaffrey being the MVP frontrunner, and I'm leaning towards it not being particularly close. Um, this might change, but every quarterback, including Sunday night, Patrick Mahomes, um, has had a bit of a stinker. Mahomes had multiple, frankly. Um, I think that we're seeing just overall, like I think last year the yards per catch in the NFL was – the lowest it's been since the merger. We're seeing defenses sort of figure out, certainly, I mean, there's nothing you can do to make quarterback not the most important position in football by a huge degree, but the the, the impact of that can be lessened if defenses just sell out and say, all right, you're going to stop the run, you're going to check down, whatever. We saw a little bit out last year. We're seeing a little bit of it this year, too. I'm sure that'll even out. But the one guy who is not, Who's basically defense proof is Christian McCaffrey. 459 yards. Look at the next time, that's here. Uh, almost 100 yards more than anybody else in the NFL. Right now, Uh, 25% of his runs are into eight man boxes. By the way, Derrick Henry, not even close to that number on total yards, but 47% of his runs are into eight man boxes. Like, what? could you imagine? Could you imagine knowing like eh, the defense is literally selling out to stop me and we're just going to run it down their throats anyway, and by the way, we're going to have some success and still get four yards to carry. That's unbelievable. But this is not a Derrick Henry 8-man box thing. But McCaffrey is the reason that Niners team is so good. And instead of mindlessly, and I believe it's been over a decade now since Adrian Peterson was the only non-quarterback to win it, or the last non-quarterback to win it, Instead of mindlessly saying, oh, well, it's got to be, uh, and I'm happy. I'm, I'd be so happy if it was Tua. I'd be so happy if it was Josh Allen. Um, any of these guys. Mahomes goes on an insane run. God bless him. Dak Prescott, God bless him. But if there's no elite quarterback, I, I am going to lose my mind if we make this, i mean, almost like the Heisman most years, where we just give it to a good quarterback on a good team. I, I'm go- the best quarterback should not always win this award. If it's McCaffrey, if it continues these numbers, it should be him. Unfortunately, MVP has become a bit mindless. Justin Jefferson is leading the NFL in wide receiving in receiving yards by a massive degree. He's at 543. Puka is at 501. Tyreek Hill is at 470. By the way, if Tyreek Hill continues on this pace, he should be in the discussion along with Tua. They'd split the votes like a Heisman situation, but like, you know, they're not going to give a Justin Jefferson because he's a win. Even though he might be the best player in the NFL on the offensive side of the ball, on defensive side of the ball, if the if the Browns make the playoffs and Miles Garrett continues to be the force he is, where teams are getting delay of game penalties because they're switching to his side over and over again and shifting, he should be in the conversation. If Micah Parsons remains healthy at a couple of issues today, he should be in the conversation. T.J. Watt is a menace right now. Like, this is the perfect year for us to expand the conversation. The passing boom that started in 2011 changed everything about football. I understand that. Everybody likes it. I like quarterbacks doing cool things. That's great. The numbers were insane. And like someone said, someone was making these the other day. It was like, oh, uh, Joe Namath. Joe Namath took a shot at Zach Wilson. They said, well, Joe Namath's passer rating was worse than Zach Wilson's. And that's just literally true of anybody who played now versus anybody who played then. Like, like the absolute greats of the 90s and 80s and 70s all had worse passer ratings than Taylor Heineke. So you can't really do that. But we've allowed the sort of stat inflation to influence everything that includes the MVP award. We're only at the quarter mark. But I'm just begging my fellow media members to, to have have some creativity here, have some confidence here. Just trust what your eyes say. Just that's all. Trust what your eyes say. And right now, Christian McCaffrey looks like he's he's more valuable to his, the offensive side of the ball than anybody in football. So that's that. Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesar's Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesar Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns reward credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, use the code Omaha full, and then place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great. You keep those winnings. But if you lose, you get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and up only offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maine, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only new users. And first $10 wager only must wager with eligible promo code bet amount of qualifying wager return only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet, $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem, Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1 800 Bets Off. Louisiana, call 1 877 770 STOP, licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Hannah's, New Orleans. Maine, call 1 800 327 5050. Or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-888-427-426-2537 or West Virginia. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call eight seven seven eight 8 hope ny or text HOPE-NY
1: Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in,
2: shopify.com slash network.
0: All right, Flynn, what do
2: we got for questions? Okay, first up, we're going to hear from the Boston Gooner. They say, if John Lynch let Kyle Shanahan draft Mac Jones, would the 49ers look the same way they do now? Every time I watch Purdy, I can't help but think this is exactly what Shanahan had in mind with the Jones interest.
0: I'm sure... Mac Jones's crew would end up better. Mac Jones looked terrible on Sunday. He was throwing across his body constantly, including that one awful interception. He got away with it the first time, then thought he was like, he was like Matt Canada. He had one bit of success and said, I'll just keep doing it. So, it's a great what if, but there's a couple things here. So, we have to take into account that Mac Jones' head coach hired Matt Patricia to be his own coordinator last year. Matt Patricia just threw 50-50 balls with a guy who wasn't ready for that. Um, So, Mac Jones' career would have ended up better. I agree that the results would be the same. Mac Jones would be putting up probably similar numbers. I think Brock Purdy probably takes care of the ball a little better now than Mac Jones does now. So, it would be a little bit different. But in football, geography is destiny, and everything would have changed about Mac Jones. He'd be the starter, for sure. I wonder if he would have started that second year when Jimmy Garoppolo got back in there. Um, I don't know the answer to that. The answer, But the short answer to this is, it would probably be almost the exact same, but Purdy might be a little better equipped in this offense. Up next, we're going to hear from Tommy
2: Goodwin, who asks, will Matt Eberflus's key card work on Tuesday?
0: It shouldn't. A lot of guys pre-fired today. A lot of guys. I, I, I don't think we've ever had more guys who felt more fired in the NFL. Staley running the tush push with Justin Herbert with a bum finger. And Herbert, by the way, I mean like the broadcast did a great job of this. I think it was Trent Green. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just don't know Trent Green's voice well enough. Basically saying that, like, that kind of injury. So if you didn't see a Herbert hurt his left finger. Which obviously is non-throwing hand. And he basically said, whoever it was, Trent Green, whichever quarterback. He was like, that shows up on the margins. You're going to be able to throw the ball, but you're not going to be able in the pocket to, to move as effortlessly. Because you can't squeeze the ball, which I found to be interesting. Um, if you get hit. You might get stripped easier, and so he had that. Herbert had that game-winning, game ceiling game throw. That was not my concern. I felt the test he passed better was when he got sacked, I believe, on the previous series, and he he just fell down and didn't didn't um didn't fumble. Okay, so anyway, uh, Staley ran a touch push with Herbert in that condition. So there you go. Um, Josh McDaniel, I just. I I don't know what Josh McDaniels has done he now I believe he's something like he's something like 12 and 33 or 13 and 34 since his 6 game winning streak in Denver to start his career he's not he's not done anything kind of what I said about Staley a couple weeks ago if Mark Davis calls him in there's nothing he can stand on there's nothing he can stand on and be like well I've done this you've done nothing brother You've done nothing. And that's why I think you just you just move on from him. I just, I don't, I don't even know, I don't know enough Raiders fans. I don't know if he has any defenders in, in not only in the building, but like in the fan base. There's only like one guy who's like, hold on, hold on, give him time. Like nothing has been happening, including it's like Devontae Adams doesn't want to wait around. Um, He hasn't had a top 10 offense at all. In that run, by the way, so like, what is it? What is it you do here, um, Iberflus? I mean, my God! So there was a stat coming into this that the Bears had trailed by an average of twenty points entering the fourth quarter. Well, good news, okay. Good news, and bad news. Good news is you did have a lead, a lead today um, over the supposedly worst team in the NFL, the Denver Broncos. The bad news is you lost in a really dispiriting way. Um, Matt Eberflus is setting records for giving up 25 points in a game. He's now done it like a, a, the most consecutive games in NFL history. By the way, defensive coach. By the way, defensive coach. So, like, if you can't take care of your side of the ball, kind of like what I just said about Josh McDaniels. Like, I don't understand the point of this. You're not going to get better. You've proven nothing about your ability. I mean, maybe if he's like a great leader of men or something. I don't, I, I don't know. I haven't seen it. Has he motivated anybody to play better? Has he put anybody? Has he put anybody in position to succeed more than the average coach? And it's a bad roster that's poorly coached. And so I don't, I don't know what you do there. Um, we got this question last week, but I, if I'm Caleb Williams, I don't want to go try to save that thing.
2: Finally, Andrew Turner asks, what will Belichick be doing this time next year? He shouldn't be coaching the Pats. How can a team be so joyless after years of being untouchable as a GM slash coach to build whatever he wanted?
0: I, 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 this, is, this is slightly unfair to Bill Belichick because they're not going to move on from him this year, I don't think. Unless, so my, my feeling is Belichick's going to get one more year than a normal coach would get because that's what they owe him. I, and that's something I, that's not me saying like that's what I would do. Like that's, I think it'd be, it would take a lot of guts. You know who would fire Bill Belichick? Bill Belichick, because he would always fire a guy too early, right? Happened every single time, over and over again. But Robert Kraft's not that. And so I don't think that, um, I don't think it's going to be this year, even if it's a total disaster. But I think you sit Bill down after the season. If it keeps going in the way. And by the way, two weeks ago, they almost beat the Dolphins. It's not going to be a good season. But are they going to want to do a, Does Bill want to do a hard reset with a new quarterback? Does he want to sign a, a better veteran to have competition, whatever? I don't know. But if I'm craft, I send out the end of the season and say, like, hey, let's why don't we do a goodbye tour next year? Does he want that? I don't know. He wants to beat Shula's record. I know that much. But I don't know. Like does he want to go to Tampa for that? Does does he want to go to Carolina for that? I I don't know. I don't, like does he want to be on the Cape and in Jupiter, Florida, just playing golf? He should be a Ryder Cup captain, I'll tell you that much. But um I don't know. I'd give him one more year after this to let him go out the way he wants and and also just like the man should have like an average team. When he goes out, let him have 10 wins. That's not this team. Um, and also, by the way, it's possible you start succession planning as far as front office stuff goes. Maybe you hire a GM in his last season or in his, you know, whatever, his proof season season, um, just to give him an opportunity to start the 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 planning on it. Because you don't want to be hiring a coach and a GM at the same time. Or... I don't know. I do you keep him around in some in some role? Um, I don't know. Do you want a clean break? These are all questions that are hard to answer because we haven't really had this before. Bill Walsh kind of quit randomly and then came back as like a the front office guy, which I don't think Bill Belichick was going to do. He quit. Basically, Bill Walsh was burned out, and so he quit. And he ended up regretting quitting. By the way. Um, Jimmy Johnson, kind of same deal Just one day, it was just like, I'm out of here So we've never had The type of guy Like this, hanging on Um, You know, like Marv Levy came back In Buffalo Um, I'm trying to think about, about Other guys, I mean Shula is actually The most analogous one Where Shula was basically, he was replaced by Jimmy Johnson They had a guy ready to go But they were also like trying to get Marino a ring team was a little better than it was now. I was really young when this happened, but I vaguely remember it. So that's actually the most analogous and it's still a little bit off. So we're in uncharted waters, but I think he'd give Belichick one more year than he he would normally get. And I think that's ne- that would be next year. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any.
2: Let's go back to that Toy Story game, the
0: Jaguars beating the Falcons in London. So it's about that time for Desmond Ritter. I don't know what you do. I think they thought he could at least play average ball. He can't. By the way, so I do this with the Browns all the time, where I'm like, well, they need average quarterback play to make the playoffs. The way the Falcons' schedule is set up, they need, like, slightly below average. They're good, like, outside of quarterback. The pass rush has been... Much improved, which I thought was going to happen. They're all set, man. Um, They just need average quarterback play. Is that Heineke? Is that a trade? I don't know. But that was brutal today. Brutal. In the the damn 9 in the morning. Arthur Smith's a good coach. The problem is... So like, and a couple of people said this in the in the in the anger anger replies thing when I said, "What do you, what you what's what's sticking in your crawl? But like, if Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith think Desmond Ritter was the answer, that's a flaw. We can't just pretend like they're not saying it. And then, it's like, I, I think I think it was Eric Eager said this earlier today. Like, has anyone has Desmond Ritter become like the worst quarterback to enter a season? As like the undisputed guy with no true backup plan. Because if there was a backup plan, we'd see it by now. Doesn't sound like it's Heineke. So like, wh- why are you sticking with this? Why was this always the plan? I thought they'd be good because of the roster. And I thought Desmond Ritter could at least do, do something. He's not capable of anything. And they got to figure this out quick. Because this team is actually too good. And the skill guys are too good to waste.
2: Jags, meanwhile, staying in London to face the Bills next week, who had a well-rounded win over the undefeated Dolphins, 48-20. to
0: Yeah, this was an awesome win. Um, I was shocked it was this wide. But although, listen, the red zone stuff was a problem for the Dolphins all day. It normally isn't. And the tackling was abysmal. The Bills out-dolphined the Dolphins. All three digs touchdowns were on motion, which according to Next Gen stats, that, that's the most on record. Um, the secondary couldn't tackle. A week after the Dolphins made the Broncos miss almost thirty tackles, I, the Dolphins couldn't tackle the Bills. Um, this was this was good stuff. They got pressure on Tua all day long. I didn't see this coming. I thought it'd be. I I said a couple times over the course of the week that Buffalo could win. That's fine. I didn't think it'd be like this. I didn't think they'd be taking a knee and and granting the Dolphins mercy after a four touchdown lead. Um, This was this was hugely 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 impressive.
2: Lamar had four touchdowns as the Ravens beat the Deshaun
0: watson Liss Browns twenty eight to three. Yeah, DTR not the answer, I guess. Every all the uh, so a lot of people went, oh, maybe Deshaun. Nope, nope, nope. Nope, DTR, not the answer. Um, I kind of threw this game out. Uh, Ravens played well. Browns defense still playing generally well. Um, I don't know. I, without the starting quarterbacks, it's hard for me to draw conclusions. We'll, we'll see more of this uh, as the season goes on.
2: Derrick Henry looked good as the Titans beat the Bengals
0: 27-3. to 3. So I'm, blo- I'm completely blown away by this stat. Joe Burrow is the first NFL quarterback To have 150 passes in his first four games, at least, and average fewer than five yards per attempt on those passes. He cannot drive the ball down the field. He cannot scramble. He is completely helpless back there. He is hurt. At this point, thought about talking about this at the top. I'd give him a month. I'd give him a month because this isn't going to help. He's only going to get more hurt. He's not going to find his groove. With his kind of calf injury. I know he wants to play and justify the contract and all that stuff. What's gonna happen now is Burrow is gonna go out there and struggle and they're gonna season from hell their way, even with Burrow out there into a good skill guy. I'm talking Brock Bowers. Don't think they're getting the Marvin Harrison Jr. sweepstakes. but a guy like that, they're gonna get. But you can get that with or without Burrow. I I, I I'm extremely concerned about Burrow's future. He loves taking hits. He's too tough for his own good. I'd sit him for a month. Jamar Chase said it in preseason. He didn't want to see him till October. That looked prescient. I don't want to see him till November. Jamar Chase also not happy about not getting targets after the game. Uh, the Rams blow a
2: twenty-three to nothing lead and then barely hold it together to beat the Colts in overtime.
0: I barely watched any of this game. To be honest with you, um, uh, seemed seemed like a good. Uh, I'll watch it. I'll watch it midweek. Uh, I was. It was actually in my multi-view box there for a little bit. Um, seemed up and down there. Um, Rams are good, man. Rams are good. They, they, they are not going away this year. They're going to win a bunch of games. They could make the playoffs in the NFC. I am, I'm in on this Rams team. Baker Mayfield threw three
2: touchdowns as the Bucs beat Derek Carr and the Saints 26-9. to nine. Uh, The
0: Saints team, I, I told Pete Michael earlier, people want Dennis Allen fired. I, it is a weird team. I don't know how hard a Carr was today, um, but man. I've also, by the way, got some complaints about the Bucks not tanking enough and being stuck in the middle. Um, but it looks like they're going to – there's a little momentum there right now. Um, but this this Saints team should be better than this. They're, they're spending too much money. They have too much talent on both sides of the ball. They inherited too much from Sean Payton, even though, you know, obviously that thing was cycling out at the end there. Um, this is not good.
2: The Eagles survived a scare, beating the Commanders in overtime
0: 34-31. Elite Shore Parks had a really funny point today, which is basically that if – the Eagles were not following up last year's season that everybody would say that this Eagle team is special and, gr- and grinding out these wins and doing everything that needs to be done. Um, just small issues hurts his missing throws. I guess there's some growing pains with Brian Johnson, but like, I don't know, man, you're going to have to, Give me a little more evidence I should panic over a 4-0 Eagles team that's taking care of business.
2: And finally, the Vikings overcome two interceptions to get their first win, beating the Panthers 21-13. Uh,
0: with the exception of the Kirk Cousins pick six, it was hilarious. I wish that was in Toy Story form. I didn't watch much of this game. Um I don't I I'm a little I'm getting a little bit worried about this this Panthers franchise. I saw Joe Person, who covers um who covers the Panthers? Wonder aloud if Brian Burns needs to, be, needs to get traded to start to start a, to sort of embrace the reset there. Um, but it's uh, I don't know, man. I'm starting to wonder if the Panthers. First of all, the Stroud Young stuff's going to start no matter what we do. I would love to hold off on it, but no matter what we do, um, that's going to happen. But the part of the problem is is that the the Panthers invested a lot into getting this. And they need to start showing some rewards pretty soon because the Texans accelerated. They didn't mortgage anything, but they accelerated by trading up to good Will Anderson, and it might end up looking okay. But they they basically said this is our core. We want to roll through it to Miko Ryan's, and that's that's paying off right now. It has not yet paid off for the Panthers. This is not a four game decision. It's a four year decision. It's a forty year decision. All that stuff, right? Um, but I'd like to see a little more uh, evidence that, that they're on the right track. Um, all right. We'll be back on Wednesday. Mike Tannenbaum will be joining us. We're going to have a great discussion on all things Jets, Dolphins, go through the NFL. Love, love, love talking with Mike about some great badass stories from the Rex Ryan um, Jets ears. Thank you to Flynn and Miles. I'll see you guys on Wednesday.